following Days of Thunder pay-per-view special is brought to you as part of the PWOM Podcast Network. Subscribe to PWOM now to enjoy other fine podcasts talking wrestling of the past, the present, and much, much more. Let's start the show. Buddies and travelers down Thunder Road, it's us, Days of Thunder, WCW Thunder Rewatch podcast that you didn't ask for, but we did anyway, coming to you as part of the PWOM Podcast Network. I'm your host, your Snyder Cut on Thunder Road, Dave Ryan, <laughs> and I am joined by the theatrical cut, my co-host, Sagar Lee Malone. <laughs> Lee, how are you? I'm not sure if that's an insult towards me or you, because I don't I know mean, which one is better. I mean, you're more you're you're more digestible to audiences uh, because you're not four hours long. I feel it's more a, a, a burial of myself for being long winded. I mean, it could be a short joke. <laughs> well, look, if you want to try bury your figure out a way to bury yourself, have at it, my friend. Well, look, rather me burying myself than others bury me. So you know, <laughs> yeah, true enough. Um, I, yeah. I was just gonna say, like, we're doing this show what? What what's it coming up to two two year two and a half years? Uh, it'll be like so. It was the end of January two years ago. Yeah, so we're so. we're literally just over the two years. And every time you do that wonderfully fancy intro, <laughs> and one day I'm just waiting for you to go. Listen, you clicked into the file. You know what this fucking is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'd say by like definitely by the end of ninety nine, it'd be like. We're back. <laughs> Fuck you for making us do this still. I just, I can't deal with this place anymore. Humorous wins. What more do you fucking want? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, when, we're, when we're clinging on to something like, maybe, maybe Lash LaRue will have a good match this week. Uh, when excuse me, that's that Corporal Cajun. Get that's it right. Corporal Cajun. Um, Sorry. <laughs> how are you, pal, anyway? Yeah, like, I'm all right. Um... I've been busy enough lately, um, so it's kind of hard to. It's one of those weeks where, um, th- look, pull the bandaid off. This show's bad. <laughs> this this pay per view is real bad, but that wasn't why it took me so long to get to it this time. Even though I knew it was going to be bad, it was like I I literally did not have the time until the day we recorded to watch most of it. Um, and certainly you messaging me over the weekend saying it was bad <laughs> didn't help even though I like I, I knew and we talked about it for pretty much the whole month leading up that these World War 3 shows are, are generally bad yeah. um, but other than like outside of WCW I, I, I can't really complain I've been uh, wrangling cats for the last couple of weeks I don't know if we talked about it on this show last time but uh, I got a new cat well it's an old cat from from emma's house has come to live with us and dealing with i feel like attenborough going around and watching the new cat interact (laughs) with the old cats and wondering is shit gonna kick off are they gonna be pals and having to take everyone to like because now we have four animals with the one dog we have as well 
um, like bringing them all to vets for checkups is like a multi-day process. Yes. <laughs> so we brought <laughs> both in terms of like how much fucking money it costs and the logistics of bringing multiple animals to the vet at the yeah. same time. Because we only have two cat crates, so we couldn't bring all the cats at once. So we had to go, oh, which cat would calm the dog down the most going to the vet and vice versa. So we brought two of the cats today. It's like, and it was weird because like we've been in lockdown for so long that getting to go out as far as the vet, which is in a place called Hawkfield, which is about 10 minutes outside of the town I live in, um, felt like a little adventure. <laughs> Jesus uh, Yeah, that's that's how fucking bad it's getting now. Do you know, it's we're at the level where oh, if I have to go to like the fancy Tesco in the next town over, uh, that's a, a it, small it feel, victory. Oh, it feels like a tropical holiday by yeah. comparison. I actually just shortly before we we came on the air here, I don't know how much hubris is involved in it, but I got tickets for my first gig of twenty twenty two. Oh, okay. Where what you go for? Yeah, so um uh myself and my 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 godmother are both big fans of this guy Brendan Benson. I don't know if you know of him. Uh, I don't. He's uh so he would be chiefly known to people as one of the four guys in the Raconteurs, Jack ah, White's okay. other band. Yes. And it was through the Raconteurs that I I discovered him and he's just kind of like it's nice kind of pop rocky stuff but not like in a, you know, people when they hear pop rock they think more like pop punk nowadays mm. and that kind of like stuff but it's no it's more poppy than that more kind of radio friendly and melodic um it's just really nice uh stuff and i've seen him a whole bunch of times but he's playing Wheelands in wow. january good venue yeah so i was like do you know even if it gets postponed like we have tickets for a few gigs that keep getting postponed and postponed like i'm mm-hmm. not going to lose the money so i might as well plant the flag now because i'm supposed to be getting my vaccine in the next couple of weeks the first dose of it fingers crossed um yeah which should be nice there was a whole fuck up where the confirmation email went to my uh went to my spam folder so i'm a couple of weeks behind all my other co-workers because of that um so hopefully i should be getting the call like any day now um to do that but yeah i'm just like i I, i've missed it so much like i was getting lazy before the lockdown not going to as many gigs as i used to Mm. or not going to gigs if i couldn't find enough people to go with me and if anything the last year plus has taught me (laughs) like don't leave those regrets on the table like if there's something you want to go to just go to it um i was only talking to my friend brian who you know Mm -hmm. the other day about how um I deeply regret, I think the year before the lockdown, St. Vincent came to play the Ivy Gardens and I couldn't find anybody to go with me that really was into her stuff. And I really regret, like, if that was my last gig before uh, lockdown, it would have been a pretty good one. So, yeah, uh, should be good. Uh, if the uh, if the vaccine thing has worked a treat by then, like, Wheelands is one of those venues where you really you can't pumped. help but be in an enclosed yeah. space with people <laughs> so we'd want to we'd want to be doing pretty well for Wheelands mm-hmm. to be running god bless the optimism but uh yeah that's that's kind of been my week uh the other thing i did uh, i guess is uh i saw the snyder cut of justice league you know kind of in the vein of us talking about a lot of the the marvel stuff mm-hmm. lately uh and me being in the business of watching very long overblown show shows that uh, aren't very good I felt the Snyder Cut is very much in keeping with the Days of Thunder brand <laughs> and it was definitely like overbooked <laughs> for sure um, 
are you a guy like you know you've just caught up on the marvel stuff where are you with dc yeah, i am not in touch at all yeah uh, so i'm not gonna really get into it i got into it a lot more myself and and, and jack lazell talked about it a lot on my other podcast linked to the cast last week mm-hmm. i think we talked for nearly an hour about it um but that's a that's a fucking long movie lee that's a real long movie of the people i know that have seen it that are into yeah. the dc thing they've said it's fine and that's kind of the yeah. worst thing it can be yeah it's better than the version that came out in cinemas for sure okay because most of the stuff that seemed to be cut out of it was the stuff that made the rest of it make sense mm. it's like a lot of exposition a lot of plot was just completely 86 out of that film the first time round. So the stuff that was added in was much better. The stuff that was cut out that was in the 2017 Justice League, whenever that came out, um, was the stuff that I hated the most. Mm-hmm. But it's still like four hours and two minutes long. You know what I mean? So even if you're somebody who's... Like, I'm not the lowest of the low on Zack Snyder. I could really take or leave him most of the time. Um, I... But uh, even if you're a big Zack Snyder guy, that's that's too much. That's a long time, yeah. I like it. Took me three sessions to watch the Jeez, movie. Yeah. Um. But yeah, like I guess it's fine. I think you're better off just sticking with the Marvel, to be <laughs> honest, because like I think with the exception of the first Wonder Woman movie, that whole yeah. DC expanded universe project is just the. Uh, but you know you're so inured now to WCW that you might watch it and go just, oh, what? It's, not, it's not that bad it's not that bad <laughs> yeah I, I might find my Prince Ikea of, of the uh, DC universe yeah much like I find myself doing when we watch Thunder I was just like picking constituent elements out of it where I'm like well that was good that, that you're, wasn't you're bad looking for the positives yeah 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 and fantasy book and other bits but this is what I would have done do you know <laughs> so it felt like I should have taken open the usual doc i have for for writing my notes and start reviewing it like a thunder show um you <laughs> so that was my way of kind of uh, setting the bar nice and low for world war three your way of doing it lee was for some reason whatever possessed you um you watched a bit of fast lane last night i did um and i don't want to talk about it. <laughs> yeah i'm not gonna try and, and pry uh, too much into it because I could care less. Do you know, I like I'm because it's WrestleMania mm-hmm. and because we're all locked in anyway. I'm probably going to watch some, if not most, of WrestleMania yeah. anyway. Um, but I had absolutely no desire or intention to watch this show. Like I was kind of like, oh, you know, they're doing Brian and Reigns. I'm sure that would be good if I watched it, but I'm not gonna. Um, so how was your fast lane experience? Just to say very briefly, I mean. Like the show opened with two tag teams having will they, won't they coexist storylines going on yeah. at the same time, and it's just like, oh, fucking hell. I think Sasha turned heel again. Um, yeah, I can't even. What was the second match? Dude, I don't know. I was, I was just seeing. Um, oh, I think, like, I think it was the IC match with the really fucked up finish. Um, right, Big E and Apollo. And like they couldn't even do a proper schoolboy, like it, like it was just really bad. Yeah, um, I um, yeah, it's um. But hey, look, Andrade is free now. He's a free man. Yeah, so that'll be cool. Uh, seeing either La Sombra pop back up somewhere or him uh, taking on maybe another guys and showing up. I know mm-hmm. a lot of people 
you know, I think when anybody gets released from WWE, they go, oh, AEW, AEW, but like... I think he could go, Jer- there's plenty of other options available for... Yeah. I think, you know, we know where he's got pals, mm-hmm. and they're likely, even if it isn't a full-time thing, it's very likely he'll do a little bit of a tour with his with his buddies before he settles down anywhere. Yep. Um, but-, but it'll be good, because that guy, like, I don't know about you, I was talking about this online, and we were talking about it in chats as well, about how, like... That guy had, with Johnny Gargano, maybe my favourite WWE match of the last five years or more. Oh, yeah, easily. Yeah. Um, that TakeOver Philly mm-hmm. match. like, And it still holds up as well. Do you know, it, it's kind of the... It's it's a couple of TakeOvers after that that the forced epic formula mm-hmm. really starts to get out of control. But I think this one is the one that... Like, is maybe the last one I, or the second to last one that holds up. Yeah, I think that was, like, the real... That was, like, the beginning of the peak... And then he got the right at the start of the Gargano Champa series was like the yeah. proper peak, and then everything since then has been like gone down. Um, yeah, but yeah, no, like Andrade, like I wouldn't be shocked if we get like I think there's an ROH pay per view this weekend. Yeah, if he isn't, he didn't get a no compete. Yeah, so so if, he can wrestle immediately. Now chances are that's already recorded because they do a bubble and all that two weeks yeah. before, so. Mm. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised to see a pre-type promo from him to yeah. end the show, something like that. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But I saw somebody today say that this feels like this could be the Jericho leaving WCW moment. Lofty. And I really want to hope that it is, that this is like, this is a guy that could have been a main eventer that they mm-hmm. really fucked about. Yeah. And this is the beginning of people going, you know what, look at what everyone else is doing outside yeah i think with all the like there's been a few kind of pieces of that wall crumbling away mm-hmm. i thought the big show going to AEW was a huge one because there's a guy i think we all said it on mm-hmm. the day that he went over to AEW. It's like we all assumed that guy was a lifer yeah yeah um and there's a few other people like that who have made rumblings mm-hmm. who we think like once their contract is up they might go um, I think everybody pinned up a lot of hopes on Cesaro, who then just re-signed. Yep. And it's one of those things where you can pin all your hope, uh, hopes all you want, but at the end of the day, like it, it, you find it hard to begrudge the amount of money yeah. they're guaranteed oh, God, yeah. there to hold on to them. Do you know what I mean? If they are and, happy enough. And I think we have to realise that a lot of the guys that we, like fans like us, enjoy and have enjoyed for so long, we also have to realise like a lot of them are... like. They're in their late 30s, if not early 40s. Yeah. I mean, they don't want to, you know, have to go somewhere new and kind of do it all again. Yeah. They're like, uh, you know, the the, the, the axiom of like the, the football player who's like in his 30s and he knows he's signing the last big mm-hmm. contract. It's like, do you want to go for the retirement tour or do you want to go for the money? Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe someone will go, I'll go for the money now and hopefully my body holds up and I can do the retirement tour yeah. as well, do you know? Um, but it's something else we want to uh, mark before we start on the pay-per-view is that this very week that we're recording this show, Lee, historic, um, in a way that makes us feel like we are old as dirt. <laughs> uh, and that is that this week marked 20 years since the final episodes of WCW Thunder and Nitro. Yeah. When Vince bought the lot. Yeah, we're all dying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I mean, I I can remember like the the excitement of like hearing that they were going to do the telecast. Yeah. And the last nitro. We should say the the, well, the last nitro is the day that basically this show is going to be released on the day that it takes over into you know the, yeah. the day of the last nitro. Um, yeah. But God, yeah. yeah tell, tell me about. Take me back um, to your memories of the the like the the simulcast because for those people who don't know uh, about how broadcasting was in the UK and Ireland at the time WCW wasn't on TV over here at the mm-hmm. very end so i think we had said before they were on on a block after cartoon network yeah. ended and it turned to TNT mm-hmm. and we got to see our nitro and thunder every week about i want 6 months maybe before yeah i want to say sometime around the mid 2000s yeah, it stopped changing over to TNT. Yeah, we definitely got most of like the new blood stuff. Mm. Um, so we were definitely into the summer at least, if not the the autumn yeah. before it cut off. So the first time we had seen anything WCW related on TV in months was the simulcast. simulcast. So yeah. so take me back to a young Lee and how you found out about the simulcast and and your watching of it. So. I want to say it was... I don't know if you remember... Like, I'm sure you remember Teletext. Yes, I do. Do you remember the wrestling pages on Sky, I think it was? Yeah. And I'm pretty sure I had just checked that because, again, I wasn't mega into like being an online fan at all. Yeah. So I, I checked over to that and like I don't know whether it was the day before mm. or a couple of days before that I... That I, I heard or read about Vince buying WCW. Mm-hmm. And then it might have been the day of that the, the simulcast was announced and they were going to do it. And, you know, he was going to be live on both shows. And it was just, yeah. it was just like, you think like how, like, I don't, it wasn't really a long war, war. Mm. But like the, the idea that, Vince McMahon was going to be on WCW television yeah. was just like like fucking unbelievable and it was musty TV like it, it really like it, mm-hmm. people you know say it now but like that really was musty television mm-hmm. for sure it was like it was seismic mm-hmm. uh, like in some ways even though WCW wasn't nearly what it was at the peak it's probably the most significant broadcast in the history of professional wrestling mm-hmm. in North America uh, between the simulcast nature of it the confirmation that Vince had bought the competition and things you never thought you'd hear said on WWF TV like him talking about him firing Jeff Jarrett <sighs> live on the air um, all this shit incredible and then obviously the swerve then with Shane yeah. having quote unquote boss WCW and where that would ultimately lead to I'm sure we'll, we'll eventually get to all and that and I, I love now like you, you see it on the network occasionally like different documentaries and stuff like the footage they have of Bruce Pritchard and Shane McMahon being backstage at Nitro like that, mm-hmm. that's fascinating to me there's um I don't know if it's from a WWF documentary or it's like some sort of shoot interview, but I remember, I think it was Shane Helms said that like there was a good proportion of the locker room who absolutely didn't believe Vince had bought the company until Shane walked in in Panama City. 
Like they believe because again, this was a locker room that for the guts of half a decade had been getting worked yeah, well, by the boss. See, it had almost been like it was literally like down to the contracts being signed for fusions to buy the company. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't think people who weren't around at the time necessarily have an appreciation for how close that deal mm-hmm. was. Like, I, it's been floating around this week because it's the twentieth anniversary, but they were at the point of they had the pay per view space ready for the first reboot pay-per-view mm. the big bang, big bang yeah. and there is a poster they had gotten so far as to make the poster for the big yep. bang pay-per-view um i think like, it, was, it was, was may may was it may the fifth or may something was going to yeah. be the big day um yeah but like everyone's like knows like the bischoff had the plans he had contracts sent out to steve carino rob van damme joey styles yeah. mm-hmm. the company was going to be built around carino van damme um Oh, who was the guy in WCW? Uh, Sean O'Hare. Like, these yeah. were going to be the top guys. Yeah. You could already see, like, towards the end when the company was confident Bischoff was going to come in, that, like, movement towards they introduced, like, the Cruiserweight tag mm-hmm. titles and people like Jindrak and O'Hare in the last year or so were getting that kind of push. Um, that there was a sense of this, you know, for want of a better term, new blood. Mm-hmm. Uh, coming in and you know it, it's not no one will ever know would it have been a success uh, before like Turner just said no we don't want wrestling on the TV anymore and that kind of killed it that infamous name Jamie Kellner yeah. who people will never forget if they read Death of WCW um, but yeah it's just wild like I was 11 at the time and I wasn't I wasn't watching the famous teletext pages i think it was maybe like later that year when i was clued into the fact that they existed mm-hmm. um i'll always remember my favorite teletext headline was some guy there was a guy who wrote on that who was like obsessed with the idea that ken shamrock was coming back any week <laughs> do you remember that guy yes. i don't know what is it because no one ever authored these pieces no. but like i remember hearing one and being super hyped about how like he was coming back to feudal angle in the battle of the ankle locks yes yeah. that, that was the big one yeah yeah so like uh, but anyway at age 11 the first i saw it for whatever reason i didn't see raw that week really so the first i saw of it was livewire oh wow yeah so they they or, or it might have been actually no it was probably smackdown that saturday and they would have showed and then livewire would have been after smackdown yes yeah yeah so i got more detail on it um it was crazy like i i just i couldn't process it uh, at the time it's funny like my my memory of that is way less clear than the memory of the stalker being unmasked <laughs> because like that was even though wcw had been bought i think in like and they had done that angle it wasn't until you had the visual of page in the ring mm-hmm. where it kind of felt real yeah you know what i mean you had that shot of them up in the balcony at x7 you know, uh, Shane and his WCW wrestlers, but it wasn't any of the. No, the big, it wasn't like the WCW wrestlers. It was Sean. It was Stasiak like Sean Stasiak and, and yeah. Stacy Keebler and a couple of others. Um, but it was Paige was the first name to show up, and then a King of the Ring that month, Booker. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was when, like, at, we all ta- we always talk about how they didn't bring any of the big stars that were on the big AOL contracts. Uh, in during the invasion but to those of us who were watching WCW in the late 90s early 2000s Booker and Page were big deals oh they, they were homegrown guys yeah yeah 
So, like, and it was, they were two of the guys that was inconceivable that they'd ever show up mm-hmm. on WWF. So I remember that way more than necessarily this week, but it was, and it's still, uh, like, it's an unbelievable episode of television to go back and watch yeah. on the network or by other means. Um, yeah, it's it's really worth digging back on mm-hmm. rather than waiting five years for us to get there <laughs> uh, or however the fuck long it's going to be. Anyway, shall we talk about some WCW, mate? Um, we should. I just want to say very quickly, though, I do have a cold at the moment. Right. So if you hear me sniffling or, you know, just basically if my fucking voice goes or at some stage, I don't think it will, but... Um, See, Lee, this, this is why we need the Days of Thunder Patreon, so that we can get you one of these fancy mics with a cough button. <laughs> and then we'll be fucking laughing, mate. Yeah, it's too much effort to press mute every fucking time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, we need a producer. I, That's what we I want to say, it's all my son's fault. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's them filthy kids and sharing oh. their germs now that they're back in school. I was only talking the other day to Emma about how, like, this is the longest in my life I've ever gone without getting so much as a sniffle. Yeah. And it's because we've all been locked down and wearing masks. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, if, like, if ever there was proof in the pudding that the masks and the socialize, uh, socially distancing works, is that I, I haven't got a sniffle, let alone coronavirus. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's amazing. Like, um, yeah. like Con- Connor um, picked up, like, we noticed on Wednesday last week, like, he was sniffling a bit. Then on tour, we said, right, we're going to keep him off school on Friday. So basically, from when I came home from work on Friday, right through the weekend, he's been like by my side. And then yesterday, I was like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, if you hear me sniffling yeah. or wiping my nose, or I won't blow my nose on the air. That's just disgusting. Yeah, that's paywall content <laughs> for, the, for the sickos. Um, so this pay-per-view. This very, very bad pay-per-view. World War Three, 1998, coming to you from Auburn Hills in the shadows of Detroit, Michigan, 22nd of November, 1998. You forgot something. Oh, yes, of course. Our Beers of Thunder. <laughs> How could I? I see that it's because I already started. Well, see, we you have started, forward. yes. Yeah. Um, so, when you, you, you got... I was going to say, you go first. All right, I've got the same... Uh, two in rotation lately so i've gone for the other spirit and i have some bullet bourbon with a bit of coke zeho oh bullet bourbon i've been on Uh, on that lately it is yeah i'm just not in a it's in that weird kind of half season where like in between winter and spring where i'm not really in the mood for a beer right now Mm -hmm. so some spirits will do it um I was going to bring my Japanese whiskey, but I think as I was recounting to you, I had a work party a couple of weeks ago where I drank half a bottle of Japanese whiskey and got absolutely <laughs> lamped. Had to hang up for my own good before I said something I'd later regret and forget. Um, and there was but, pro- uh, probably going to be video footage of it as well. Almost certainly, yeah. Knowing, knowing some of the jokers I work yeah. with. But uh, what, what do you got in the holster? Well, in honour of Big Kev's Big Night... I am sitting here sipping away at a lovely glass of red wine. Very good. <laughs> uh, that was quite the reaction. <laughs> <laughs> but I think, yes, now we shall move on to the paper. Yes, we can. So, World War Three, 1998. Coming to you from the shadows of Detroit in Auburn Hills, Michigan. 22nd of November 1998 and it's the most uh, like 
stereotypical 1998 video package to open this, at least in terms of the music, because it's the, it's that kind of every like action movie trailer, mm-hmm. every kind of commercial the the that kind of music building and building and building it's not building to anything it's just building (laughs) yeah yeah just constant build no payoff um and it's a video package for i guess absolutely everyone because it is world war three yeah it it starts out as brett and ddp but then quickly it just starts listing names (laughs) so you know yeah sure everyone gets some shine yeah um the first thing we see before we even hit the ring is the white stretch pull up and Billy Big Time himself, Goldberg, comes out. And then we open up on the arena and goddamnly, the three ring setup. Oh god, it's awful. <laughs> it's fucking I hate it. it's horrendous, isn't it? Like why would any company do that? Like I'm already weird like I understand. So I like a war games match, mm-hmm. but I don't like the two ring setup for the rest of the show. I understand a ring takes time to set up and you can't just have it normal and then expect during a video package them to assemble a whole ring. As well as a cage. <laughs> yeah. So I get it. But three is excessive. Yeah, and the way the barriers kind of come in and out as well. Like the fans, like just like a little section of fans right by the middle ring. And it's just now, so bad. I would say getting that, getting those seats would be class, though. Like mm. a wrestling ring on the left, right, and straight in front of you. I'd say that's pretty cool. Um, but yeah, in terms of how it looked on TV, it just looked rinky-dink. Yes. Yeah, it looked like um, like a local high school wrestling tournament, just in a much bigger building. <laughs> you know? Um, um, I was going to say, are you a limo guy, Dave? I've never been in one, um, and I think <laughs> I'm not like against them in principle. Like, if someone said Do you want to go in the limo, like I wouldn't say no. But something that was jarring to me was like, I don't think the Goldberg character is a limo guy. No, he's not. The guy should have been pulling up in a muscle car. Like, if anyone in this company should be a Homer guy, it's him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? Uh, but yeah, muscle car or like. You don't want to do pickup truck because you got the guy on the bald guy on yeah. the other network kind of, kind of has that market cornered, uh, but like a motorcycle because he's a legit motorcycle enthusiast, and it's a good two years before Bugger Red was doing it. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it just struck me as strange that like of all people, like we've seen the NWO arrive in limo after limo after limo for the last two and a half years. Like, why is Goldberg getting a white limo? Yeah. It's like one of those things where maybe the segment wasn't thought through and then it's like we're here and the NWO actually does get a limo all the time. So we have a limo here. We might as well use it. Yeah, I think that could be it. Like it was just, it was there. (laughs) Yeah. So the three ring setup is bad. Our commentary for tonight is Tony, Brain and Mike Tanay, who I think for the first time pay-per-view is referred to immediately as the professor instead of Iron Mike Tanay as well. I missed that. Um, so the professor Mike Tanay he finally graduated Lee. he got he got he got tenure um, the lads make note and make note repeatedly to the point of me assuming he actually was there that Hollywood Hogan is not in attendance tonight I don't know if you know this Dave but Hollywood Hogan is not there they must say this <laughs> a half dozen times on this show like on a half a dozen different occasions yes. they say it many more times than that because usually it comes up Someone will say Hollywood Hogan's not here, and somebody else the other will repeat. Guys will chime yeah. in and go, 
yeah, of course, Hollywood Hogan's not here. And I'm surprised that Hollywood Hogan is not here. Because normally Hollywood Hogan would be here. But tonight is not one of the nights on which he is here. Well, Because he is not here. Do you think Hogan had his poochie claws in effect? <laughs> Perhaps. <laughs> because that, thinking, that, that's what it felt like. I was thinking it felt like the three lads were trying to do the Monty Python parrot sketch. With Hulk Hogan isn't here. Yeah. Hulk Hogan is an ex-attendee of this building. <laughs> he has ceased to attend. He attends no more. He rests in peace at home. <laughs> yeah, that, that that's also another alternative. Yeah. But, I, be, uh... but between the... Hulk Hogan's not here. And then, you know, the parroting of Hulk Hogan isn't here. And then hearing, it's a 60-man three-ring battle royal. Yeah. I mean, my God. Yeah, this was... I, I will get to it later. But this show demonstrated how many fucking people were under WCW deals. Because there are 60 men in that match later on. And there are so many people in the company who aren't there. You know? Or who are otherwise occupied on the night. Mm-hmm. And it just... Like, I know we, we harp on about WWE having, what, 300 plus people under contract. But... Like, my God, the amount of people who I thought weren't under contract anymore, who we haven't seen in months that show up on this show. But look, let's not. It, it, you know. It's kind of like um, WWE in that they all go to Orlando for worldwide yeah. tapings every couple of weeks. And that's where they yeah. get their, their matches in. Yeah, it's their version of the coconut loop. Exactly. Um. So, yeah, the Hogan's, the three points they want you to know about this show at the start is Hogan's not here. There's a big fucking battle royal. And DDP and Brett are having a match as well. Um, they immediately throw to, to Mean Gene, who I thought is looking on the Mr. Peanut scale. <laughs> he is at a 10 tonight. I mean, all I could make note of here was, I mean, you want to talk about a hot opening to a pay-per-view. Yeah. Somebody running down their hotline doesn't get any hotter than this, does it? Doesn't get hotter than Mean Gene with his fucking Hans Molman looking ass. Talking about Bob, uh, Bob, Bobby Heenan and his pre-recorded message because you aren't getting Bobby yeah. Heenan live on the pay-per-view on the hotline. I I love that. <laughs> Bobby Heenan's on commentary, but it's like, you can tune in for... And I will say, like, it's not exactly like Bobby Heenan is known as a famous prognosticator. <laughs> the whole gimmick is that his predictions are unreliable and change every five minutes. <laughs> so, like, that's racking up the... Maybe his pre-recorded message, if I ring in five minutes from now, will have changed and he'll, he'll be backing somebody else. And that's the gimmick I'd do if I was Gene. Um, Do you think Mean Gene's hotline was one of them where he just talks really slow and every word is... Sin. Sin. (laughs) Cincinnati. Cincinnati. Nat. E. Cincinnati. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I I love as well uh, Mean Gene trying to analyse the the World War 3 Battle Royal later saying that uh you know a lot of people are saying that a big di- a big guy is going to win but uh in mean gene's opinion a little guy could do it with and i quote some high maneuvers and so forth that's a man that's up to date with his wrestling that is a man who's seen a wrestling match in his life <laughs> do you think like just as soon as the bell rings dude is out the back smoking with the truckers oh yeah yeah he's all about being with the ring crew yeah, ring crew and catering. Like, That's the only the only things he's interested in. When Bob and the nitro girls, I'm I sure. was going to say when Bobby's not around to drink with, and you know mm. one of the they're all on commentary. All his mates are on commentary. If he can't get near the nitro girls, he's just out the back. We have a a hot kickoff to the show. 
Uh, we... Which is ironic because Glacier is involved. Well, it's a martial arts division championship match to open a pay-per-view. It is. Prestigious. Uh, it's Wrath versus Glacier. I, I had the thought as Glacier came out. I bet it's the same thought as me. I don't think it is. Okay. <laughs> to me, Glacier is the Brandon Cutler of WCW. Okay, it's not the same thought as me. I mean... <laughs> He's probably less of a geek in the in the geek sense. Yeah. But, I mean, this is a guy that comes out in his fancy outfit every time. And then just gets beaten. <laughs> yeah. And then, like, periodically the commentators will try half-arsedly convince yeah. you that to beat him is a big deal. And that he's got real momentum. So where's he getting this momentum from? Maybe he has the momentum of a glacier. <laughs> in, in as much as, like, he moves very slowly over centuries. Yeah. Um... Or that he gradually melts. Uh, yeah, <laughs> gradually I'll, I'll give melts. you that. Uh, my thought on Glacier coming out was like, boy, in 2021, would his mask be high fashion for going doing the shopping? <laughs> it's great. He's got the full, like, it's covering from the nose down. He would be allowed into any shop around me uh, with that kind of facial coverage. Well, they, they bring this up during the match that um, Rat is going to be a part of the Mortal Kombat TV series. Do you remember the Mortal Kombat TV no. series? It was horrendous. I'm sure it was. It was, on, it was on Sky One over here. Um, I I kind of now want to find out what episode he was on and put it down for a special episode if I can no. find it. No, <laughs> just ruling that one out straight away. Not unless I'm being paid. Um, but my... <laughs> it would be great because we could watch it with that what looks like a really fun and dumb new Mortal Kombat movie. So we could treat ourselves with the new Mortal Kombat movie and then watch that as well. Um, but why isn't Glacier going to be on Mortal Kombat? He is the, you know, Mortal Kombat inspired <laughs> character. If, if I were WCW, I would make sure that the Mortal Kombat people know as little about the existence of Glacier as possible. Uh, they have enough lawsuits to be fucking dealing with in the late 90s. Um, lock up uh, to start the match. Wrath powers out of it, which sent a de- uh, disgruntled Glacier to the outside. Uh, oh. It's weird because like he's trying to get back in the ring, but Wrath is like, no, you cannot get back in the ring. And just like batting him away. What, what did you think of... Uh them giving a name to Glacier's fancy new submission move. The Ice Pick. The Ice Pick. Apparently, yeah. apparently I mean, um, Tanae says it's normally called an Asiatic Spike. Oh, here he is. Of, of course that man would know. But yeah, the Ice Pick. I mean, like, if you're going to do an ice-themed name for that move, that's probably the best one Yeah, you could pick. Like, the Icicle would be stupid. <laughs> you know um yeah I, I, like maybe it's the thing where if so if i heard that for the first time in 1998 i'd probably be like oh that's fucking stupid but now in an age where every time i tune into like an nxt takeover in particular is where i noticed that like every little move has this like pretentious as fuck name you know like like um like Johnny Gargano's draping DDT is now called the the was it the one, one final, final beat? beat? Yeah, yeah. Like uh, Tommaso Ciampa is really guilty of it as well. Where like every fucking eyebrow twitch has a pretentious name to it. Like he has like the Willow's <laughs> Bell and all this sort of shit. It's like sometimes you can just call moves. I couldn't tell you what Tommaso Ciampa's finisher is to be honest. You um, saw that kind of pedigree type move, didn't he? The like the angel wings type. Yeah. Yeah. 
I can't even remember what he calls that now. But that's the thing. Like, when everything has a special name, nothing, nothing is special. Yeah, nothing has a special name. Do you know, like, it, it feels like... <laughs> it feels like an unfair comparison to say that, like, you know... Um, Stone Cold, like, not everything he had had a special, you know, rattlesnake-themed... Uh, name but when he hit the stone cold stunner yeah. it was like a memorable name you know the rock had the rock bottom and the people's elbow but he wasn't renaming the stupid sharpshooter he did or the float over ddt he didn't call the spine buster i don't know the fucking bedrock <laughs> or some shit <laughs> but you know like if they came around now all that shit would yeah. have some sort of special name and it's one of the things i do appreciate you know, some people have pretentious names for moves in AEW, but it's not nearly as bad. Mm-hmm. And usually Excalibur, you know, the best play-by-play man in the biz right now, even if it has a special name, will also describe it by... He'll just use the... It's actually Yeah, name. he'll just... The more well-known name, like, say fucking... Yeah. Somebody hits a 450, he just, you know, he'll say it's a 450. He won't... Yeah. Or, or like, you know, he'll say, you know, Mox will hit a paradigm shift. He'll say, paradigm shift, that double arm DDT. Something like, you know what I mean? Like, it's, um, yeah, it's just, it's it's something that really, in that era of the, you know, we've already mentioned it once in the show, but the NXT forced epics mm-hmm. and what that has done to warp people's brains on wrestling. It's one of the things that I don't think gets talked about enough how annoying that shit is with the special move names. So the ice pick, relatively fine for me. I mean, I, I just wish he had to call it the stalagmite. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and like, well, it depends on which direction he's throwing the tongue because it could well, be the coming, stalactite. Either. It's coming down, so it has to be the stalag- stalagmite, wasn't it? Was the one coming Look, down? Let's, let's not show up our lack of knowledge of geology <laughs> uh, on the show. Um, so, like... I normally hate when a match immediately starts out as a walking brawl, but when it's these two guys, I'm like, I prefer this than to see them wrestle. I mean, I normally hate when a match starts out and Rat is in it, so... Yeah, let alone when Glacier is in it. Um, Glacier at one point gets whipped over the barricade. I don't know if you noticed this, but like his trailing leg nearly took out a child when he went over the barricade. Yep. Like Everybody except one child moved out of their chairs, and that child nearly got wiped the fuck out. Um... Tanae said, yeah, t- this is the point at which Tanae says about the Mortal Kombat TV show. He's going to be on it in January. Uh, and already at that point, this is like maybe two minutes into the match. I'm like, this has gone too long. Yep. Um, Wrath uses the ropes for extra leverage, which is weird because now I'm noticing Wrath is working heel in yeah, this match. Yeah, that's what I was just going to bring up. Like, why is he being yeah. such a prick? <laughs> yeah, he's being a prick. He's acting like a heel because that kind of then, when he did that, it it made me remember like when he was coming out to the ring he's doing the like you know don't yeah. talk to me don't touch me to the fans but I wasn't paying attention that was just because he was the big scary guy not because he's trying to be a heel which I thought was extra weird that they couldn't if they were trying if they're trying to turn him heel why couldn't they wait a few more days because Glacier has just turned heel like Glacier tried to buddy up with the cast last week on Thunder but he also got rejected so he also got rejected but like that doesn't mean he's not a heel it's like oh no sorry you know I lost my senses there for a bit I went a bit mad uh, now I'm a booty again do you know fucking blood runs cold motherfucker um, you sounded very Dara O'Brien there I'd say <laughs> sorry about that um, so yeah Wrath now kind of like speaking of heel like behaviour gets the TV cable starts choking yeah, like... uh, inside the ring and what I love about this one, Glacier, who has been wrestling for a while, signaling for a timeout, like that's a thing that happens. 
I think, oh, you're allowed to throw a flag on the play at least twice in a in a quarter <laughs> of wrestling. Fuck are you doing? I mean, I'm like, I'm already this mad about the show, and it's one match. But I mean, in. again, that's a heelish move of you know begging off, which is fine. Yeah, but not he's begging off with another heel. But I was gonna say, like, not when the other guy is a heel. Yeah, the other guy, the other guy who is not only a heel but is blatantly cheating when he's begging off. So you're like, yeah, fair enough. Like, if you want the timeout, if such a thing existed, <laughs> it would make sense. Uh, Glacier tries to stop a headlock by pulling on the ref's hair because he's a heel as well. Like, we've talked about the art of the opening match so many times on this program, but like, big heel stiff versus big heel stiff is literally the worst combo you can have to open a match. Apart from like maybe Finley. Uh, (laughs) There's a guy I didn't miss on this show. Fuck. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, and he wasn't in the Battle Royal either. Thank God. Yeah, unless it was blinking, you'll miss it. And he was throwing. He could have out been shitting that as well. Um. So Glacier then hits a hook kick, a cryonic kick, and it's brilliant. Even though it looks like he nails him, they're just like, oh, he didn't get all of it because Rat doesn't really sell it. He just sits down a bit. I thought he missed they're, they're... badly. Oh, did he? Yeah. Maybe, maybe I was taking notes and missed it. Um. But yeah, it was really he didn't get all of it, and then he goes for the ice pick. Um. Rat blocks it. That's what we're going to have to call it now. The ice pick. Yeah, ice pause pick. Uh, Rath blocks it, at which Heenan jibes. I wonder where that thumb's going to be. Uh, Rath hits the meltdown, oh. wins, and makes at least one successful defense of his martial arts division crown Thank before he loses God, it. God, he loses it tonight. <laughs> um... We get a Brett video package next. Uh, he's giving his recent thoughts. Uh, well, his, his thoughts about his recent actions, mm-hmm. should I say. While dressed in his full gear, sitting in front of a hockey goal. Confusing. Well, I mean, he's Canadian. Um, yeah, he... Uh, look, one thing is for sure. He is Canadian. and they, Canadians love like, the hockey. Short, like, short of him pausing in his speech to down some maple syrup and, like, slap a moose or something. Like, they couldn't get more like offensively trying to beat you over the head with the fact he's Canadian <laughs> than sitting him in front of a fucking hockey goal in his full gear. Um, just absolute, like, this is this is classic WCW. I mean, you know personally, I, mean? I think they should have dressed him in the fucking Gretzky jersey, had a Canadian like, flag over his shoulders. Oh my God. Um, what I did like about this promo is where he calls Lex a big muscle-bound idiot. <laughs> I mean, look... He ain't wrong. <laughs> he said that he took Benoit under his wing in Canada, but he didn't show him the same respect. Uh, he said that Paige had the nerve to get in the ring with him unprepared. Calls him a real punk. Uh, my favorite thing about this, Lee, I don't know how uh, if you took this away from it, is how hilariously obvious it is how edited down this video package was. How long it must have taken him to talk before they got 30 seconds worth of usable because there are so many cuts in him speaking mm-hmm. that it's it's kind of embarrassing I imagine he went through every match he had with these people step by step talking about how it's the greatest thing they've ever done and where it would only be like top 20 for him <laughs> but um, I did like the fact that he he says he takes pride in the fact that he tried to end DDP's career yeah. and I mean look that's a heel I can get behind yeah like you know He's been doing this, like, he's been doing this heel stick for a long time, and it's felt very insincere compared to, like, his 97 WWF stuff. 
So it's nice to see like a bit of fire in him, like actually wanting to hurt people and mm-hmm. things like that. Because up till now, with the exception of a few brawls and a few dirty tricks, you've had to kind of take his word that he's a bad man because he's not really been acting. Like in his matches, apart from the recent introduction of the knuckle duster, mm-hmm. he still works the same. He's still Brett, yeah. Yeah. Um, and that, I suppose, has always been the big criticism of Brett, is that, like, no matter what Brett's doing, when the bell rings, Brett's just going to have the Brett match. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, anyway, our next mass classic is Stevie Ray with Vincent versus Conan. And I just wrote, oh boy, the hits just keep on coming. Uh, I tell you what, did you notice that fucking pop that Conan got? Yeah, this is a big Wolfpack town. I suppose, you know, it's Big Sexy's hometown. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be Wolfpack country. But uh, nonetheless, yeah, K-Dog, huge reception here in Auburn Hills. Um, He's jawjacking and posing a lot, which riles up Stevie. Goes to work on him. It's pretty much the standard Stevie Ray match at the start because, you know, he just powers out of everything and he's he lays a beat down. Um. It's one of many matches on this show where people aren't necessarily rooting for the babyface to come back. They're just waiting for him to make the comeback. Mm-hmm. So they're just not making noise when the heel is working over the babyface. Um, but when K-Dog gets a little bit of shine, they, people are really into it. Into it. Yeah. Uh, there are also, in addition to the chance for him when they come out, there are a lot of Wolfpack signs mm, and t-shirts, t-shirts yeah. in the crowd. Uh, the Wolfpack had a good night at the merch table. Thanks for the house, guys. Um, okay, one thing I have to bring up. The, the uh, commentators point this out at one stage in the match. Vincent has the slapjack in his back pocket. Yeah. Now, this got me thinking about things. Like, I think only absolute deviants and morons keep stuff in their back pocket. Right. So, this has been... I've never kept things in my back pocket. Okay. Have you ever been a backpack back pocket person in your, with like wearing jeans or whatever and you know some um, people keep their phones in their back pocket some people keep their no, wallets no I'd never be a phone in the back pocket pervert um, I have depending on the depth of the pocket been known to keep a wallet in there oh, from time to time why um, just because like I, I would never keep keys or anything like anything else um, but the wallet and I think it's just I, I think it's one of those things where where you keep your wallet is probably learned behaviour from where people around you kept wallets when you were growing mm. up so like I obviously grew up in a backpack wallet kind of or back pocket wallet kind of family say that ten times fast <laughs> um, but yeah it's like apart from that like so most of the time now it's for me especially now that I don't have an iPod anymore because I have Spotify yeah. it used to be maybe that's why as well because I had three big like three or four big things that I go in like I'd have my key ring have you ever you ever seen my keys my keys are fucking massive I think I have, they've yeah. always been since I was a kid and it's because if I feel the weight of them weighing down a pocket I'll never lose them because when I was 12 years old I once lost my key and got such a bollocking over it that I'm paranoid I'll ever, I've never lost a key since um but like i just have the heaviest key rings and shit like that and i have a bunch of keys for work and stuff like that on it but anyway like when i was growing up it'd be like right pocket phone left pocket ipod so the the wallet would kind of have to go in the back pocket maybe um because that was also before i was wearing hoodies um so i didn't have additional pockets it was you kind of had the two on the side the two in the back and that was it um but I, 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 I agree with your characterization. If anybody's keeping anything besides a wallet in the back pocket, 
I'm suspicious of you automatically. Yeah, I, I just, I've never been a back pocket person. Like, you can't sit down for fear of breaking something or squashing something or sitting on a key, and that's not going to go yeah. well. <laughs> so, I just, I've never understood keeping stuff in the back pocket. I just don't get it. Maybe it's a generational thing. I don't know. <laughs> We're nearly the same age. Ah, listen. <laughs> All you fucking youngins. <laughs> Generational thing. Us whippersnappers over here. What are we like three years younger than you? You was with, if that. with with your fancy jeans with all the pockets. <laughs> oh yeah. You know me. <laughs> um I completely lost my turn. Oh yeah, right, okay. Um So I like I was thinking during this match, how pissed would you be if you bought a ticket for World War Three and not only had to sit through World War Three but you had to sit through it at the ring where none of the matches are happening. Like if your if well, your if your view was like the one closest to the the ring closest to the ramp, mm. and for most of the show you're having to look over two rings to see what's going. Well, did on. you not see the the sequence they're going in? So the first match was in the center ring. The yeah. second match is in the left ring. Third match is in the right ring. Then the next big match is in the center ring. Left ring. So. Right ring. So every third match is easy to see. And also the most important matches. Yeah. Well, well, except for the first. But but if you're in the corners, you're still like, when something's happening in the center ring, you're still craning but see, over that, it. Like that's all eliminated by the fact that at least three of the matches went through multiple rings. Yeah. And, you know, it's just, yeah, I, I wouldn't mess. like to be there in person. No. Um... I love how when Vincent is showing off the slapjack, uh, the commentators obviously like memories like goldfish think it's like a cell phone. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though it's the thing that has been used in Stevie Ray matches for like six months. Yep. Like since his return, he's been using the slapjack. Yeah, since he turned, yeah. Yeah. And they're just mystified by what Vincent could have in his pocket. I think one of them says uh, at one stage he has a slapjack in his back, po- back pocket and not not Stevie's finishing move. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's a sign I noticed during this match for the ICP, Insane Clown Posse, to which I say to that person, be careful what you wish for, sir. Oh, it's coming. Because you are going to get more ICP than you would ever in your life want within a couple of years. Went the ICP, oh, let's think, we're in, what, November now? Well, late October or November 98. I think they were already gone from WWF at this stage. Mm. Well, this is the thing. Like to this day, um, if you ever seen shoot interviews with with uh, ICP, they talk about how they're one of the only acts that managed to be in all three major companies over sh- such a short period of time. Yeah, because they got fucked out sure. of all of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and for some reason, still kept getting hired. And obviously, it was fucking WCW last because I think it was them and PG-13 just kept fucking bouncing between the three of them <laughs> oh my god it was just anyway um, Vince attempts to use the slapjack on Conan but accidentally uh, hits Stevie Conan goes uh, he gets in the full mount as we would say in MMA uh, raining punches down on him brushing off the ref until and I always think of uh, Vinny from the Brian and Vinny show when this finish happens to a match when somebody is disqualified for kicking too much ass <laughs> I was like the man is unconscious like because as well like you think about it, the ref missed the weapon shot yeah and 
so as far as the ref is concerned, Conan has beaten Stevie Ray into unconsciousness yes, yes. and thus must be disqualified. This, this is, and I know pe- like it's now people crime will say, <laughs> yeah, people will say it's because Conan shoved the ref off that he got disqualified. Bollocks. Because refs get shoved around way more than that in WCW yep. and there isn't a word said about it. So yeah, he was disqualified for kicking too much ass. Um, Booker comes out to break it up and Stevie is not happy about it. So they're basically now starting to do the same thing with Booker and Stevie that they're just finishing doing with Scott and Kevin. Mm-hmm. The whole we're feuding, we're brothers, in this case literally brothers. Um... You know, I'm going to save you, but I don't necessarily want to hang out with you. But maybe we could do the, the team and thing like it's they have like three or four ideas in a tombola in this company. Yeah. They just roll I, around. I think we we said this at the time. The whole idea of splitting Harlem Heat and the Steiners at the same time was just fucking yeah. idiotic. And the outsiders. Uh, and well, look, they weren't ha- even half as established as the other two. But like it's just so stupid doing doing the tree splits at the same time. Next up, it just it's like such an onslaught at the start of the show. It's like you're determined that you won't ever enjoy the show for a sustained period of time. We have Sonny Ono and the Cat versus Kaz Hayashi and Saturn. What I loved about this, um, well, very little, <laughs> but I did enjoy how Sonny was announced as living in many homes around the world. <laughs> Yep, which is great. Um, Kaz and Saturn had mashup music, which is always a stupid idea. I was particularly bad here. You mean Kaz's music with? Yeah, yeah. Like mashup <laughs> is being really generous. Like they just forgot to stop playing Kaz's music when they started playing Saturn's music. Really. Yeah. Um, Cat does his count to three gimmick, turns around, gets decked by Saturn. Um, he stalls outside to threaten a teenager. <laughs> Kaz gets in and I love Saturn's look of utter disgust when he looks across the ring and sees where he is on the WCW totem pole compared to where he was like this was a guy who looked like he was getting a push as a big single star now he's wrestling the cat and Sonny Ono like such a displeased look upon his face so sad Um, so sad uh, at one point, Sonny gets in and he tries to pay his way out of trouble, which I thought was like a, a funny little bit. Um, he gets tagged. Uh, this was actually, I think, the high point of Sonny's comedy in the match. At one point, Sonny gets tagged in, gets in, does one kick and then tries to yeah, tag, tag him again back in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, fuck this. Um, and the other good bit of Sonny comedy, like... It, it was a bad match, but weirdly, Sonny Ono was the star of it. Because I also love something I didn't pick up until the second time he did it. Was every time Sonny tagged out, he would go down onto the floor where the corner, the corner man had come out. Would yeah. fan him down and spray him with water. They're fabulous. Yeah. Like he was in, like like he was boxing with Muhammad Ali or some shit. I love the fact um, that, you know, the cat is Sonny's guy, but only the corner men work for Sonny. Yeah, absolutely. Well, he's the money man, you know. Um... Saturn running wild at the end. He grabs a hold of Sonny in a front face lock. Cat throws a kick. Sonny falls on top of Saturn and pins him. And I was just like, oh my God. And it was like, firstly, I was like, oh my God, because Saturn got pinned by Sonny. Mm-hmm. But then I was like, my immediate second thought, Lee, and I don't know if you had this thought, was thank God for wrath. Do you know what? I was just going to say, 
I was going to bring that up. If they hadn't made that match on Thunder, we are living in a world where Sonny Ono is the martial arts division champion. And I mean, that seems kind of preferable to me (laughs) to rat. (laughs) Yeah, but, oh, Jesus. Because I think we would have had to strip him straight away. Yeah, because like I couldn't even tell you when the next time he had a match is. Like I'd really have to look it up on Cage Match. Um, Jericho. Oh, sorry, my page skipped there. So next we have Jericho, who is in the internet location with the man that he describes as Flea Marshall, <laughs> which I enjoyed. Uh, when he was asked by Lee Marshall about being hogtied on Thunder, he described it as propaganda. <laughs> <laughs> And says that he and Ralphus are the true killers in WCW. So a great little glimpse into the mind of Jericho there. Um, then thankfully we get our Oasis match. Our little bit of calm in the storm. Kidman versus Hoovy for the Cruiserweight title. Um, you say that? Yeah. So there is some shenanigans abound yeah. here. Because Hoovy comes out and Gene follows him in hot pursuit fucking super salute Gene Okerlund wondering what this was on his back it was an LWO shirt Eddie appears as if from fucking nowhere <laughs> Mr. Ben and, yeah <laughs> and says that Hoovy has seen the light then Ray also appears from nowhere uh, and he's put the pieces together figuring out that this is why he never got a shot at Hoovy's belt um, the match starts off uh, unusually I would say because instead of, like, when these two guys have wrestled before, they start off at 100 miles an hour. Mm-hmm. Uh, what happens in this match, and I kind of appreciated it, was that they just start hitting the big moves. Yep. Like, the big, impactful moves. They're giving, they give that impression that championship matches should have, where it's like, I'm going to try and finish this match because I want the belt. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like, oh, you know, let's just do, you know, chain wrestling has its place and I love it when it's done well and stuff like that. But sometimes championship matches should be about, I'm going to kill this fucker if I have to. If I, to get if this I can win this in 10 seconds, I'm going to fucking win in 10 seconds. Exactly. Uh, Hoovy then realizing that because it was kind of like a few flurries where Kidman was hitting some of his high impact stuff. So Hoovy decides to slow it down with a long chin lock. Um, more high impact moves we get the Kidman sit out powerbomb uh, a drop kick to a flying Hoovy that looked great like proper looked like it rattled him when Hoovy came off the top rope and mm-hmm. got battered with a drop kick um, Hoovy hitting the apron hurricane ran into the floor um, the lads then kind of tried to rationalise why the match has been so unusually paced and they say they wonder is it that Eddie is already in Hoovy's ear and he's like scouted out Kidman, having wrestled Kidman, and goes, wait, this is the way to do it. Uh, Hoovy attempts is our, our first real use of the um, the multiple rings. He attempts uh, a double springboard drop kick, but slips. Uh, yeah. Thankfully, not too bad, didn't injure himself or anything, but you can tell that he uh, he done a boo-boo. Uh, Hoovy is frustrated at this point in the match. Uh, Kidman goes for the splash in the corner, but misses, gets winded. Hoovy goes for the 450. Kidman crotches him. Top rope head scissors into the other ring, which looked cool. Um, rope walk splash from Kidman for two. The kick out got booed. <laughs> this is, I think, the crowd was kind of like, right, okay, you've done the cool stuff. Can we go to the finish, please? Yeah, ready for it to be over now. Yeah. Uh, Hoovy does a double springboard Frankensteiner. Also cool. Yep. 
Kidman goes for the reverse DDT, which itself is reversed into the Hoovy driver, putting both men down on the mat. Uh, Hoovy gets up first, wants to set up the 450. Kidman rolls away. Hoovy sticks the landing, which, like, I think that's something with 2021 eyes we undervalue is yeah. sticking the landing on the big flippy move because everyone and their dog does Doesn't it now. Have, yeah. But in 1998, that was exceptional. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, like, I popped for that. I thought it was great. Uh, Hurricane ran a pin for two straight off him sticking the landing. Hoovy is at the, like he is proper livid that like what do I have to do to put this guy away? Uh, powerbomb attempt reversed for two. I, I, was, I was just going to say in your notes do you have the same thing I have of don't powerbomb Kidman. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Powerbomb reversal. Two count. Wheelbarrow suplex. I love the wheelbarrow oh, suplex. Great move. Uh, goes for the shooting star press. Gets crotched. Hoovy goes up top for the Hurricane Rana. Uh, Ray sneaks out uh, to hold Kidman on top so that he doesn't get Hurricane Ranad. Uh, Hoovy now prone. Shooting star press. New champ. Um, before we get into the post-match of it, what did you think of this? I didn't think this necessarily reached the heights of previous efforts in the division, but especially in the context of the rest of the show, I thought it was enjoyable. It's by far the best match on the show. Yeah. But I'm very much on board with you of this does not reach anywhere near the top of the list of the matches we've seen so far from these like cruiserweights um i do want to make note that hoovy in spite of being cheered heavily over the last couple of months is getting booed the fuck out of it like in this match and it's all because he is now associated with the lwo and i think like we need to make note of that because like the LWO are over as heels. Yeah, uh, part of me like is afraid that that is because they're being portrayed as evil foreigners, possibly, and it's a wrestling crowd. Um, so I would be worried about that. But yeah, like the fact that people really did like him a bunch and have turned on him very quickly. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there, there's that for sure. Um. So after the match, the LWO, LWO are out and they're furious with Ray. Eddie says, you're in or out, give me your answer now. Ray throws his LWO shirt at him and they basically away. chase him out of the territory. Yeah. <laughs> and which the announcers go, that's smart. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, flashback to Nitro where Hall and Nash have their stare down at Hogan's campaign event. Um, next, the Tony throws to dangerous Dave Penzer to introduce the next match which is Scott Steiner with NWO ref and Buff versus Rick Steiner. Um, we finally get an explanation for why there's an NWO ref. Yes. Thank you so much, Tony Schiavone, mm-hmm. who points out that whereas they can't expect the NWO ref to be impartial, all WCW refs collectively have refused to officiate Scott Steiner matches due to the unsafe working environment. Because if you remember from listening to the show or if you're watching God help you. The WCW along with us, you'll know that for a couple of months now, basically, Steiner has been taking out refs mm-hmm. uh, when he is dissatisfied about something. So now they've all decided they're not going to ref his matches, opening the door for the crooked, clownish NWO referee. So I have a question here. Is this a tag team title match? <laughs> I... <laughs> Why not? I don't know. Like, the whole build to this was they're tag team champions. 
Yeah. And it was supposed to be a tag match. Then it was yeah. changed to a singles match. And he is billed as being weirdly like, I, I don't know why they specified it this time and not every other time that he's one half of the unified world tag team champions. Did you notice that? I did. Like, rather rather than saying the WCW world tag team champions, one half of the unified I mean, world tag team I mean, where champions. did him and Judy go? What tag belts have they picked up? I, I don't know. Was there some dispute over whether, you know, Judy was the tag team champions by herself? I don't know. <laughs> we will ne- we will never know um so the camera cuts to backstage and the b team uh plus the giant who i think we agreed recently is firmly in the b team. oh he, he is b team yeah uh and he certainly put in a b team level effort tonight but we will talk about that later uh they are all beating him down dillinger and his his motley crew pull away some of the b team and giant uh, grabs rick by the head and drags him out to the ring at scott's instruction Scott and Buff uh, beat on him for a bit. Rick manages to fight back briefly. Uh, it was a really cool, like, I would like to have seen this in a match where he does his comeback one-armed. Because mm-hmm. he has, like, the, the right arm is hanging. So he's, like, just swinging punches with his left. And, like, he's doing a pretty damn good job of it. Um, I have a question. It, yes. Why is Rick Steiner wearing a t-shirt under a singlet? He's Rick Steiner. Like, do you want to tell him that that's not the way to wear a t-shirt? Because I don't. I mean, somebody has to. <laughs> well, not me. I'll tell you that. <laughs> that's a job for Doug Dillinger and his expert crack security team, maybe. Um, or maybe that's maybe that's why JJ Dillon is gone because he said that to Rick Steiner and just got like bundled <laughs> up into a bin or something. Um. So, uh, yeah, he decks the ref. Uh, Scott low blows Rick to regain control of the beating. Uh, Steiner locks in the recliner, but now Goldberg Casual is here. This is like you know you tab across to get the alternate outfit for Goldberg, where he's just in his trackies and his Nikes. Uh, is this is, is it? Is this like um, Operation Season Rock, where he's in the tracksuit for four months? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that's that's definitely, and he has the gyno surgery for sure. Um, Goldberg and Scott, I'll tell you what, and this is something that you you tweeted out from the account. Oh. Like, give me this match because we get a moment where Goldberg steps into the ring and Goldberg and Scott Steiner stare each other down. Scott Steiner throws up the middle finger and says "fuck you, motherfucker," <laughs> right? Into because his of face. course he does on TV. Well, because he's Scott you. Steiner. <laughs> um, they go at it. Um. Whip into the ropes. Goldberg ducks, hits the spear, goes for the jackhammer. Buff really sloppily tries to hit him with a chair. It isn't very effective. No. Uh, the ref jumps on Goldberg's back. Goldberg throws him off. Gorilla press from one ring into the other. Almost out cool. of the other. Yeah. He really like, <laughs> he like rolled out to the floor on the far side. Actually, did, did, did you see um, the toss that uh, Bear Country did to Marco Stunt on yes. Dynamite? Yes. It was reminiscent of that. It was. It was evocative of that for sure. And um, the segment goes off with Rick and Goldberg celebrating and hugging. And I thought it was very unusual because like Goldberg, yes, he's a babyface and he has come out to like put a whooping on the NWO before. But this is like one, if not the first time we see Goldberg has friends. Like he, his pal Rick Steiner embracing like proper, not just lifting each other's hands, but hugging. Yeah, you know? I think this is this is maybe like them attempting to give Goldberg some friends, some backup. Yeah, and I don't think it ever really goes anywhere. 
No, because like I have no memory of this, and like pretty much his entire run in professional wrestling is characterized by what like a lone wolf he is. Mm-hmm. You know, it's weird. Um, so it was just it was jarring. It was nice. I enjoyed it, but like just seeing the two of them, and uh, you know Rick hyping up, going, "Yeah, you're the man," was was good as well. Um. For the next segment, it begins with a child obnoxiously yelling near a hot mic they forgot to turn off. I didn't like that. Um, <laughs> Scott Hall enters with the B team. It's allegedly going to be Hall versus Nash too. Well, uh, but... I find it like you just mentioned there, Goldberg is the lone wolf of WCW. Scott Hall comes out with lone wolf on his gear. Sur- no, well, there's, there's an umlaut, so it's lone wolf. Yeah, well, that's true. <laughs> but... Yeah, he's the self-proclaimed lone wolf of the NWO while he's surrounded by many, many people. Yeah, so many people. Um, now, I kind of wish we hadn't done our match prediction uh, on the last show because I would love to hop on this show and see how annoyed you got by this not turning into a match uh, because... Obviously, we did the game, and during the course of that, I told you that this match they've been hyping up for literal months uh, doesn't happen. And I imagine you would have hit the roof if you didn't know that until you were already an hour into this show. I am extremely pissed that after, I want to say, conservatively, it was Slambury, so it was maybe the start of May. Yeah. So, after five months of build, I, yeah. I think it's fair to say five months, Yeah. and one match where Nash walked out on the match we never actually get a conclusive one-on-one singles match between these two guys because yeah. neither of them could be arsed doing a fucking job for the recipe mm-hmm. as if it would have hurt either one of them you know uh... and let's not forget one of them is now the fucking booker yeah and that may conveniently play into who wins a match later on who knows um. Anyway, as I said, we think we're gonna get Hall versus Nash too, but out comes Bischoff. Bischoff says it's survey time, and the survey says get him. So the B team start the beatdown, <clears throat> but Big Sexy himself runs out to make the save. Giant, I love, and this is the start of Giant not really giving a fuck tonight. So as soon as Kevin Nash comes out, Giant just leaves. Mm-hmm. Like he doesn't, he doesn't stand his ground or try to fight or run away. He just gets out of the ring on the far side and walks out. Like just vanishes. He's read that contract. He knows how many zeros he has waiting for him. Yeah, he doesn't give a fuck. He's counting down the days to the uh, the St. Valentine's massacre. Um. So yeah, uh, huge. I will say. So the the two lads clean house together. There is a massive outsiders chant. Like yeah, what this- the fuck. If they had just called an audible and gone with it, you're talking license to print money with the Outsiders babyface reunion. Mm-hmm. But anyway, um, Hall throws up the two sweet, but Nash refuses and bails because this story must continue. Uh, I do appreciate, though, if you were kind of sitting there going, why the fuck after coming out to save him did he refuse the two sweet? Tony does a good job there where he reminds us that the last time Hall threw up the two sweet to Nash to say they were buddies again it was a trap and Nash got beaten down um, so trap. yeah <laughs> and I wrote down to end this show end this segment I personally love it when two matches in a row at a pay-per-view end up as no contest choice yep one did back to back like the second biggest match that they've built for this 
for this show the second biggest singles match is Hall Nash the third biggest singles match well biggest match was the tag title match which was changed to a singles match which was changed to a confrontation if you want to even look at it this way is two straight matches that are about a feud involving a former tag team that broke up when one of them joined NWO Hollywood Mm -hmm. (laughs) both of them also end in no contests because they have three ideas and because none of them could be arsed to actually do a fucking clean job for their best friend uh huh uh, next up, we have Bobby Duncan Jr. versus Chris Jericho and Ralphus for the TV title. Chris Jericho deserves better than this. And this, yeah, this was like what I will say about this match. I have very little written down about it, apart from the fact that like it continues the weird period of people are into Jericho mm-hmm. as like he's not actually wrestling as a babyface. He hasn't changed the way no. he acts really, but people now like him, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of you will probably have noticed a lot of t-shirts and signs in the crowd for Jericho. And in spite of that, he's still working like a heel and Bobby Duncan Jr. Who the storyline he's in would have you believe he's the baby face because Jericho keeps having to cheat to beat him. And he debuted last week with a sensational near upset against Jericho and got a title shot on the pay-per-view things like that. But in this match, Bobby Duncan Jr., he's working as a heel as well. Yep. He's beating the shit out of Jericho, out of the smaller guy. Yeah. It's really, like, it's a biz. It's like the psychology of this match is all over the place. Um, the, the best work that happens in this match is on commentary because Tony and Bobby are running down a list of his credentials and his experience mm-hmm. and his family pedigree and trying to make you buy into this guy who just showed up as a legitimate threat. And all I have to say about his actual wrestling ability is, boy, is he very green and just lumbering around and not very coordinated. And he like, is blown up within, I want to say, about four minutes of the match starting. Yeah. There are like three types of wrestlers who are brawlers and there's people who are legitimately very good at brawling. Mm -hmm. People who maybe like a stone cold who have accrued some serious injuries and have had to adapt their style so that brawling is what they do now. And the third is wrestlers who are no good at actual wrestling and brawling is the style where they can sometimes smoke and mirrors that away. Yeah. Uh, and Bobby Duncan Jr. certainly falls into that last category. And this match, like, it is, I, I think, by some distance in this entire run uh, of shows we've watched on the podcast, is the worst Chris Jericho match. And it's not on Chris Jericho at no. all. He is, you can you can tell, he's trying his damnedest. He's, like I said, he's still working heel, even though Bobby Duncan Jr. appears to be working heel. He's trying to get the guy over. Yep. And make it look like he's desperate to squeak out a win here. But fuck me. Like, people aren't buying what Duncan is selling. They're not into no, they're him not into at it. all. They they don't buy that he has earned this spot. Like, And two, he's dreadful. And, like, how fucking... How many times have WCW fans seen the guy in the fucking chaps and the cowboy boots with the cowbell? Like, the big, tall fucking cowboy. Like, how many times have they seen this? I mean, there's a wrestling fans in general. Like, that's just... 
it's the lazy shorthand to try and make you think he's something he's not. It's green it's green like, guy from not... Texas. Oh yeah, let's make him a cowboy. Yeah. If we put this gear on him, maybe someone really dumb will think he's Stan Hansen. Yeah. Like, do you know what I mean? And he, I'll tell you, there has never been anything further from fucking Stan mm-hmm. the Man than this dingus. Um, and I love how at the start they, this match, they're, when they're doing the trying to legitimize him, they talk about how Bobby managed his father. And boy, is Bobby less keen to make that link as the match goes on. <laughs> he doesn't want to be associated <laughs> with this shit. I'm pretty sure at the beginning of the match, he's all for Duncan winning this match. And then by the end of it, he's like, yeah, nah, fuck this. Yeah. Um, so Jericho attempts the, the lion tamer, but Duncan powers out. Uh, Duncan picks up Jericho to slam him but Ralphus really like because Ralphus doesn't know what's going on uh, like really softly grabs his foot oh that's the other thing when <laughs> we jump right into the match but uh, when Jericho and Ralphus were making their entrance uh, Jericho was like shouting at him to like look mean into the you camera mean mugs. And he just, yeah he mean mugs and just like so many missing teeth and he like him wagging his fingers yeah. at the fans like ah oh, don't touch him uh is just fantastic but uh so Ralphus grabs his foot uh Duncan is distracted trying to pull Ralphus up into the ring uh Jericho clocks him with the belt in the back of the head and wins thank god I mean you ran through that match a lot quicker than the match went yeah there were, do, do you know what the thing is there's a lot of needlessly long matches on this show like a lot it's almost like in spite of having 60 plus wrestlers in attendance for the show they didn't know what to do it's wild that on this entire show the only match that went shorter than I was expecting instead of longer than I wanted was the 60 man match the 60 man match I'm not saying that I wanted it to go longer but when it's 60 men you expect it to go longer than I think it was 22 minutes is that all it was yeah, Jesus. according to Cage Match, I had 22 minutes and change. Uh, whereas there's so many of these matches on this show where it's like, this could have been done in two minutes and it takes eight or 15. And you're just like, oh, why? But speaking of World War Three, it's time for World War Three. We're reminded of the rules. Ring The ring out happens regardless of what rope you fall through. So... You go through the middle rope, bottom rope. Once both feet hit the floor, we've mm-hmm. gone out of the ring. You are out. Um, the other rule is that pinfall and submissions count. Once we get down to 20 men, so there's 20 men in each ring. But once the last 20 are there, uh, they all go into one ring and fight it out. <clears throat> okay, have you got the list of entrants? I do not. Okay, I do. Okay, well, do, do you want to list them? I have a couple of highlights of things I noticed during the entrances, but do you want to go through the big list just to see how many, like, what waste there is in this company? Okay, let, let, I'll go through them in the order they came out. So, Alex Wright was forced out. Second, I missed who it was. I, I, I saw them, but I didn't recognise them. It was some guy in purple gear. I don't know. Then we got Barry Darso, Chavo Guerrero, Alan Farrell's favourite wrestler, Chip Minton. Chocolate chip minton. Chocolate chip minton. Um, gentleman Chris Adams. Chris Benoit, who is now Bobby Heenan's pick. Cyclope. Damien666. Well, now, to be fair, given Battle Royals in the past, we don't know if it was Cyclope. <laughs> <laughs> That's a fair point. <laughs> uh, Perry Saturn. 
the disciple or whatever his name is this week. <laughs> yeah. Disco Inferno, Eddie Guerrero, El Dandy, The Giant, The Cat, Hector Garza, who for some reason slaps his ass, <laughs> Horace Hogan. I guess one Hogan is in attendance tonight. Yeah. Well, he said he was going to, he was pointing at his elbow saying he was going to do it for Hulk, brother. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm guessing he gets another whipping on Nitro for for not doing it for the Hulk brother and as well he should um, we got Chris Jericho Booker T Rat Ernest Miller Scott Steiner okay this is the run of Scots we got Scott Steiner Scott Norton Scott Hall Scotty Riggs that's a lot of Scots in one company do you think, like, in Gorilla, somebody just said, Scott, you're next, and they all, and they walked, all walked out? out yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ray Mysterio Jr., Barry Horowitz, Bobby Eaton, Stevie Ray, Billy Kidman, Juventud Guerrera, Psychosis, Dean Malenko, Mongo McMichael, Kaz Hayashi, Lex Luger, Conan, Canyon, Kevin Ash, a nice little run there of names starting with a letter. <laughs> Johnny Swinger, The Renegade, Scott Putsky, Silver King, Super Kalo, Tokyo Magnum, Van Hammer, Viano 5, Vincent, Kendall Windham, Kenny Chaos, former tag team champion Kenny Chaos. La Parca, Lenny Lane, Lismark Jr., Mike Enos, Lodi, Norman Smiley, Prince Ikea, the Flatpak Sovereign, Sergeant Buddy Lee Parker, and Glacier. A motley crew, a collection of humanity, if ever there was one. So who are, uh, who are your highlights from this So. Collection. The first thing I wrote here is just to remind everybody that as long as Wrath is involved, the Martial Arts Division Championship is on the line and will go to the man that eliminates him. I wrote, what a collection of dorks out first and then chocolate chip mitten. <laughs> I wrote that Jericho selling death as he came out was fantastic, just like staggering out as if he'd been through a war. Um, Bobby Eaton, all caps, Okay. Uh, it's also mentioned casually during Kendall's entrance that Barry Windham rejoined the Horseman on Monday. Um, I have our... It's been a while, Lee, but it's the Enos Alert. <laughs> you know what's specific? Going specifically, it's the Enos Alert dressed as Steve Blackman. I was just gonna say he's no longer dressed like a mini Scott Steiner. Yeah, now he's dressed like Steve Blackman. Fair enough. Uh, and yeah, that was kind of it. Uh, I also wrote then wrote, oh fuck, this is immediately a mess. Just as, like, when it starts and they're trying to explain things and to say we're going to be cutting to rings and there's, I think it's ring two that they just don't bother cutting to for a long time. Um, I I, I must bring up, is this the first time we see Sergeant Buddy? I think so, yeah. I think think he's been referred to on commentary but I don't think we've actually seen him. 
Yeah, I think this is the first time we've seen a match of his. Yeah. So there's a momentous moment for the podcast. Um, first 30 seconds are like, this is going to be shite and boring. And then, thank God, we got 30 seconds of greatness as Kevin Nash just starts hoofing lads out of the ring. I mean, look, <laughs> when you're in charge. Yeah. Why not? Booker, Ma- Booker man, bury me softly, brother. <laughs> he just... I, I just loved it. He just went ham. He just throwing lads. Like, he broke the rumble record inside about 20 seconds in this battle royal. And I love that the last person left with him in his ring is the Van Hammer. Yeah, of course. Of course. Um, But it's great because obviously Mr. Bookerman wants to have a big rest. So, like, within, would you say, two minutes of oh, yeah, the first easily. bell, he's cleared out the whole ring. Yeah. So he gets to relax. Um. They then finally cut to ring two. And let me tell you, Lee, I have never been more nervous in my life than when I saw Mongo trying to eliminate Wrath. And they kept circling back towards each other in a way that made me think Mongo was going to be the one that eliminated him. And I was so scared. (laughs) I wasn't even thinking of that. I was just thinking of bad wrestlers being attracted to each other. Mm. Uh, Giant just idly standing by couldn't give a shit he has no Um, interest in this company anymore no until it's time for his spot as everyone in his ring tries to gang up on him he does the roar uh ray is the last person out of everybody eliminated and they were down to 20 do you have any highlights yourself from the first 40 men that went flying um the only (laughs) elimination of note is psychosis getting followaway slammed out of the ring by skull which I mean when you can be eliminated by pinfall submission or being just thrown through the bottom rope yeah, yeah. I'm going to take a fall away slam over the top to the outside absolutely the man is a but, fucking lunatic but look great so we're down to 20 but as soon as it's down to 20 it's down to 18 because Saturn and Cat can't stop brawling on the outside poor Saturn and they brawl up the ramp and get eliminated Um, yeah poor Saturn Nash and Giant go at it and it's incredible that in spite of the fact that that angle was not satisfactorily the crowd paid off mad. anyway as soon as the two big lads start slugging at each other they're loving it and it happens a couple of times um, lots of there's like a period now where the match kind of just settles down and you were worried you, you were worried about Mongo eliminating Rat yes I mean New Japan should be extremely worried that Mongo eliminated the IWGP champion I know. Ugh. Does that make does that, does that make him the linear IWGP? I was just going to say, does that mean he's now in line for a shot? <laughs> Good lord. Um. So the crowd lose it when briefly the outsiders appear to team up and try to get rid of the giant together. Mm-hmm. We then get down to nine men, and maybe the best part of the whole match <gasps> happens, and none of us has anything yep. to do with what's happening in the ring. Bam Bam Bigelow arrives through the crowd. He runs in to Le- try to leisure shoot the Larry. Pack. Yeah, leisure <laughs> shoot Larry. <laughs> Looking like a jawbreaker um, <laughs> with all the fucking tie-dye. Um, he runs to try to attack the wolf pack. The wolf pack... Uh, won't let him in the ring. Keep him yeah. at, they won't let him in. They keep him at bay. Security mobs him and starts hauling him up. And then here comes Goldberg. The two of them have a pull-apart brawl and everybody is losing their shit for yeah, it. Including me. Yeah. And as this is happening, Wrath is eliminated off-screen. No, he wasn't. <laughs> I saw who eliminated him. Oh, so did I. And I looked it up just to be sure. It was, you put it this way. 
you can tell by the montage of two shots together who eliminated him, but there isn't a clear picture mm-hmm. of him getting eliminated. We'll put it that way. And it would appear from my eyes and uh, Pro Wrestling Wikia, thank you very much, uh, that he was eliminated by one Scott Steiner. Yes, he was. Because if you, as the brawl is gone, I watched the brawl in real time, then went back to the ring and I realized Rath is gone. I was so worried because I was like, if after all our deliberation on the last show, I will never be able to tell who eliminated. Oh, he was getting he was getting pissed. stripped of the of the fucking belt anyway. Yeah. Oh, he wasn't <laughs> keeping it. That's for sure. Um, but no, as the brawl is going on, you can see in the ring, and you can see by their boots and the legs and whoever. Yeah. You can see that Steiner has Rat at, on the ropes. Yeah. And then it cuts away for a second. Yeah. And Rat is on the outside. And then Steiner is knocked over by, I want to say, Nash. And you see yeah. Rath pointing at him and, you know, mocking him or whatever. And it, yeah. it's clear that, you know, Scott Steiner is the one that eliminated Rath. So now we have a new martial arts division champion. Uh, Lee, do you want to guess how many martial arts division champions we've had? Ooh, I can probably run them down. Including Scott Steiner. He's the fifth. Sixth? Seventh. No. Yeah. So who am I forgetting? So it's gone. Will I run you down? So it's gone Steiner, Rat, Saturn, yeah. Ikea. Nope. Oh. Okay, who, who, who was it then? Raven. Ah. Oh, that's so right, I'll, yeah. So I'll, I, I'll give you... So... The inauguration of the championship up until the 19th of April was Prince Ikea. Mm-hmm. 19th of April to the 17th of May was Chris Jericho. The 17th of May till the 6th of July was Dean Malenko. The 6th of July to the 13th of September was Raven. The 13th of September to the 19th of November was Perry Saturn. The 19th of November to the 22nd of November was Wrath. And now the 22nd of November, Scott Steiner, our seventh martial arts division champion. What I find interesting is that we have yet to have a repeat champion. Yeah, and I'm going to be fascinated to find who is, if we ever have a repeat champion. Yeah, who it is and who our landmark, who our 10th champion is or who our 15th champion is. Um, And you know what? I am putting it out there now. When we get to the end of WCW, yeah, I will go by cage match histories of TV and pay-per-views and I will find the current day linear <laughs> martial arts division champion. Okay. You've heard it here first. You're going to regret saying that out loud because we're going to be at another five year, four or five years worth of history before we get to that show. Oh, it's going to um, be painful. Um, our final seven here in the Battle Royal is a combination of Wolfpack, the Horseman, uh, Giant and Scott Hall being the only um, sort of standalone guy because Giant is obviously NWO Hollywood. Uh, Conan basically eliminates himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nash directs the other five to jump the Giant. It takes two attempts, but they manage to dump him out. Thank God. Uh, Hall crotch chops the Giant when he goes out. People lose it for that. Uh, the horsemen get uh, hauled out of the ring and it's down to Hall, Nash and Luger. The Wolfpack boys agree that it's every man for himself and they go at it. Thankfully, it doesn't go too long. 
uh, the match ends when Luger tries to hoist Hall over the ropes and Nick Nash big boots both of them out of the ring a bit awkwardly. Um, no, no, I think you, I think is... you will find it was Jim Cornette's one of Kevin Nash's three moves of doom. Yeah. It was the big knee. Oh, it was the big knee, was yes. it? Yes. My apologies. It wasn't the hair flick. It was the big knee. <laughs> um, Nash and Luger hug it out as Nash celebrates. So it will be Nash versus Goldberg at Starcade. I wonder how that will go. <sighs> Who knows? Who knows? I am going to need to refill my drinks container before Starcade. Mm-hmm. Um, next up, Lee's favorite man in the whole world, Mister Michael Buffer. I'm putting this out there. I'm making a call to everyone that listens to the show. Yep. Give me a name for Michael Buffer because I need a name, a nickname, if you will, yeah. that registers just how much I hate hearing this man's voice. You don't want to call him Michael Buffer anymore. No. And you also declined my suggestion of Big Fucking Egypt Buffer yes. as his name. Now, I get if you want a nickname, you want it to be concise. And yes. Big Fucking Egypt Buffer. Well, it does capture your sentiment, probably doesn't roll off the tongue. I mean, I was thinking like um, something along the lines of Buff Bag, but that sounds too much like Buff Bagwell. Is uh, it, it look the Thunder Buddies have come in clutch before, so let's see what they come up with. Uh, at WCW Thunderpod, hit us with your your best suggestions or your worst, as the case may be. It's time for the main event because uh, big fucking Egypt Buffers here. What 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 DDP did you think Brett? of DDP and Brett main eventing the pay per view like a US title match main eventing? It uh, like it, for the US title, it's cool. For the fact that it's a pay per view called World War Three, it's tough to follow all that chaos with a straight wrestling match I didn't envy them <laughs> in the straight slightest. wrestling match you have high yeah, hopes I mean <laughs> I mean like there was like not like a good one but like there was a lot of holes happening mm-hmm. in this match that slowed things right down and this was another I think misreading of the room I think this should have been before like really with Nash winning the pay-per-view needed to end by him winning yeah Nash winning setting up the title match for next month and also that was the match that was well one of the two matches on this show where Goldberg came out so you had a match where the WCW champion and another future challenger got in a brawl during the match you had a climactic moment with Nash winning it feels like the natural end of the mm-hmm. pay-per-view but I guess not do you, do you think um, they were worried that if the battle royal went on last that it would telegraph that Nash was winning I don't know I don't know to be honest about Do you think they thought even that far ahead? Was. Or was it no? I, I don't think they think more than five minutes ahead. Like I wonder, was it a case where like let's just shut Brett up and give him the main event of a pay per view? I was just gonna say, do you think maybe they were contractually obliged to give Brett a pay per view main event? Either contractually obliged or he's just a fucking moan and they didn't want to hear from him about us. Um But hey, DDP main event in two months in a row. Yeah, that's pretty cool. We love DDP on the show. Um and it does it, it it threatens to break out into an interesting match at first where it's all aggression and action. Mm-hmm. Then Brett just gets the heat. Yeah, he does. And <laughs> the match just yeah. grinds to a halt. It really does. Like it it just feels out of place. Like you say, coming after the Battle Royal, it's not what this match needed to be. And it's like the match didn't have an idea of what it was gonna be. 
Like, it felt at times like they were trying to work a pay-per-view main event style. But then other times it felt like they were trying to do, like, a, a classic house show, you know, babyface mm-hmm. versus dastardly heel thing. It just felt ill thought out and as we've said ill placed on the show i think if this happens an hour previously you're probably like yeah fair enough um do do you know what it is it's the top of the hour main event yeah yeah because like look we can't deny that that brett is still a big name Mm -hmm. and ddp is one of the big homegrown guys so it's not like their name recognition doesn't warrant the spot on the card but Mm -hmm. the match they were trying to work certainly didn't and do you know I have to put that majorly down to Brett because Brett is controlling most of this match and we know what DDP is like and how he plans out his matches beforehand. And there's no way was Brett letting him Plan, put that yeah. match together. Not a whole thing. Like, so this is all on Brett. And it's another case of just like, Brett's just going to do the Brett match. And the more heat that he has, the more he's just going to be Brett. And... And, and I think, like you said, it has to be pointed out, you look at the match that DDP, and he very much put it together the month before with Goldberg. Yeah. That match was fucking phenomenal. One of the best yeah. in WCW history. Yeah. And then you look at this, and like you say, it's very yeah. much a Brett match, and the responsibility yeah. has to fall on one person. Mm-hmm. And it's not. This isn't for us to say that, like, on the whole, as a body of work, Diamond Dallas Page is a better wrestler than. Bret no, Hart. that's we're not, not what we're saying. Insane no, here. that's not. At this particular point in time, the person who is delivering the more action-packed matches and who is a better read of what the audience in WCW mm-hmm. wants from a main event is Page. And I don't know whether it's just that maybe the change of audience and everything that happened to him in the past year that Brett just isn't in touch anymore with what people want or is it a case of he still because of what happened to him doesn't really give a fuck and is just going to go out and do his match I mean maybe it's a thing of Brett never wanted like Brett never wanted to be the hero he always saw himself as the hero yeah and it could be to a fault and especially to a fault and it could be a case of Brett always has his match yeah. and he just wants to always be the guy that controls everything that you know lays it out and come what may if people start cheering for Brett Brett isn't going to hate that and it very much feels like I don't think it's that he doesn't care because the man takes way too much pride in his work and we know that for a fact it, it just feels like he was totally miscast like and we, we've talked about this like coming out yeah maybe it's that he doesn't give a fuck maybe it, it isn't that he doesn't give a fuck about the match but he doesn't give a fuck about the company because they've pigeonholed him into something he doesn't want to be possibly but like we, we've talked about this there was two ways they could have went with this either they go and have him come in and say listen after everything that happened and you know the US fucked me over continually and look what happened in Montreal and blah 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 and have him say the US title is the title I want because I want to fucking stick it to you US fans and make him care about that US title and make that US title on a level with the world title and have that be yeah. and have it be Brett's title and build and you know, thunder it, around Brett yeah and it also has that would be an interesting twist on the because it's usually the babyface chase mm-hmm. And having the idea of like the heel chase and the baby faces on the roster trying at all costs to keep the heel away from the belt would be an interesting way to tell that story. Like, 
it to me it feels like they either go that direction and have him be the, the Canadian hero that fucking hates the US and wants the US title just to stick it to people or they bring him in and make him a fucking super mega baby face and let him be Bret Hart yeah and they, and they, they didn't either really yeah and the result here just like the proof is in the pudding you know it's just it's just not great um he's doing this knuckle duster thing which is the most like i like i could be wrong i haven't read the the massive tombstone that is brett's book necessarily where he might talk about this but i can't imagine a world in which he the knuckle duster is his idea i have read brett's book and i've read it multiple times and he really glosses over a lot of wcw stuff can't imagine why (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but yeah like it, it doesn't stick out with something that you know he necessarily thought of it feels like the cheapest shit it feels like if he wanted to genuinely come across as the heel he would see it as beneath him to use something so obvious now you know I maybe like he thinks that he needs to be like an updated version of like 1988 Ric Flair maybe and that's where what he was going for but it just again it doesn't to me it just doesn't work for Bret Hart and again part of the you know we come back to WCW have three ideas and a tombola but it's just it's what Stevie Ray is doing yeah like uh, you're putting them on the level of a Stevie Ray where like you know and for you know I love Stevie Ray in his own way but like it's the cheap heel heat thing and it's tired mm-hmm. and the whole thing that was supposed to make WCW stand apart was the ways in which they were breaking with tradition and they were subverting things they're turning Hulk Hogan heel mm-hmm. you know they have the cruiserweights and things like that and this is just the stuff that I thought the Bischoffs of the world were trying like folk to get away from this kind of like rinky dink like even the territories would think it was beneath them sort of way yeah it... I, like a wider point I want to make is that like we've spent a good portion of our run through Thunder and the pay per view is saying you know the main events aren't great but they've been building yeah. they've been building everything underneath yeah and this match and this after what this show was just feels like a culmination of where a lot of stuff we've enjoyed has just been cut off mm-hmm. and maybe maybe that's a wider point for the end of the show I don't know but. Like just this match in of itself just feels like a total, uh, you know, like it, it's just I watched it and I want I really wanted it to be good because it, they built it properly. They did an injury angle. They had a big fucking return and the fans are into DDP, and it just didn't deliver. This show on a whole, yeah, like maybe it's a wider point for the end of the show, but but seeing as you you brought it up, this show is the first show. Where I come out with going, I think there's only one thing I'm looking forward to seeing play out, and it's the one thing I know never gets satisfactorily played out, and that's the Goldberg, uh, Bigelow mm-hmm. stuff. Like I know that doesn't have a satisfactory conclusion because they're just biding time to get to Nash. You know, um, right. I want to see a big long program with them. It's the only m- single match coming out of this pay per view I'd want to see, and like usually one of the things I love about doing this show is that you and I, even on a bad show, 
we find stuff that interests us we find the positives we find the stuff to look forward to and i've never finished a show and had less i want to dig into in the following yeah. months well let, let's sign off on this map because again i have a lot of points to yeah. make on that kind of stuff so yeah um basically um what happens brett gets the knocks over over his knee pad ddp decks him the referee sees the knocks puts them in his pocket then the referee gets knocked out um yeah page locks in a sharpshooter that would make the rock blush it's fucking i i like i love ddp but it is the worst sharpshooter scorpion that lock whatever you want to call him i've ever seen executed it's just awful um yeah the referee gets knocked out by brett as ddp is gone for the the cutter he pushes him into the ref and brett gets the nooks from charles robinson's pocket he knocks out DDP, locks in the sharpshooter, the NWO referee runs out, rings for the bell, Mickey J runs out. By the, by the way, just stop it there. The ref runs out, rings the bell, he didn't tap. Mm-hmm. Pretty much one year after Montreal. Yeah. <laughs> They're having Brett do Montreal. Which, anyway, which is funny you should say that because there's another pay-per-view that happens this month that has a very similar finish. Uh-huh. Um, Three ideas in a tombola. <laughs> the NWO ref comes out, rings for the bell. Uh, Mickey J follows out, who's the head referee. He is pissed and says, no, that's not the legal count. DDP sneaks in from behind, gives Brett a, a diamond cutter. Mickey J chases off the NWO ref, and Charles Robinson comes around to count a tree, and that's how the pay-per-view ends. Uh, it also ends on the incredible line from Bobby Heenan, Saddam Hussein, you missed a hell of a war. <laughs> it's it's just not good. It, it it really wasn't good. It it just didn't fit the end of the show. Um, yeah. On a wider point, again, like yourself, I've never come out of a pay-per-view and been less enthused for what's to come Put over the next month. But enough about fast lane. <laughs> um, it's just there's so much stuff that we've taken great enjoyment out of over the last mm. eleven months of Thunder, Jericho, Saturn, Booker, DDP, Raven, the Cruiserweights, and all of a sudden in the last, I want to say six weeks, a lot of it has been downplayed. It now feels unimportant. It feels literally lower to mid-card stuff that isn't getting any time. And it's really... Like, it's not getting to me. I'm not going to fucking... I'm not saying I don't want to watch this stuff. I do. I'm I'm still enjoying digging into it. But it's just... It really is now. It's to the point where I've reached that where it's now a slog. And I've never had that. Like I've, I've, you know, there's been bad matches. There's been stuff where I'm going, why are they doing this? Yeah. But it's now to a point where I'm like, even the stuff I did enjoy, they've just taken the joy out of it. Yeah, I, I, I feel like this is the first pay per view where I've come out of it and I'm just going, this is the WCW that died. Mm-hmm. Whereas most of them because of the way we try to look at it and look at the stuff we're enjoying i come out and going this is the wcw as a child that i i got into mm-hmm. and i don't want to say that because there are so many depending on what metrics you use there are so many different shows and moments some of which are happening very soon 
that people look at as that's the tipping point. That's the tipping point at which this thing started to careen off a cliff. I'm not saying this is the tipping point, but what I would say is it's emblematic more than anything we've ever watched this point of where this company will ultimately go. And there will be moments, you know, I'm not saying it's all doom and gloom from here on out until we finish the run of the podcast, because of course there are so many moments still to come that are iconic and that I loved when I was a child. And there will of course be the funny bad period of, of thunder as well, which in its own special way, I'm looking forward Mm -hmm. to as well. But like I said, I, I think this is the canary in the coal mine. This is like the Nash as a booker is where things start to the irreversible decline starts to really become apparent. This is this is the first nail in the coffin. Yeah. Like this is the first time where it really feels like it's bad. And yeah. where I really think, like like you said, just some stuff to come that I'm really looking forward to. I really want to rewatch, and I know I'm gonna get great pleasure out of. But this is where it feels like we're right, like we're on the we're on the cusp of staircase. I mean, what happens yeah. to staircase? Mm-hmm. But there's so much right now that if they had just went another direction. Mm-hmm. It could have been so different. Like, I'm just going to throw it out. Like, the pay-per-view closes off with a shot of advertising for Starcade. Yeah. So, whatever the Starcade card is to come, whatever. So, I'm just going to, like, we're not a fancy booking podcast, but we do, like, say, off oh, they had it on this, had it on that. Like, if, if the pay-per-view, if Starcade had had Goldberg, Bam Bam for the first time ever. Yeah. Scott Hall and Kevin Nash against Hogan and Bischoff. Uh, Brett DDP and some kind of fucking death match like you know some kind of no DQ fucking whatever some kind of blow off match in the, in the match basically that him and Sting had on that that nitro yes. where they brawl back like brawl over the like so, something like that where, with the with the US title yeah. on the line even so even I think like not now because we know what happens at Starcade but I think at the time in 1998 even if they had ended the show with the Battle Royal and the last shot of the show is Goldberg getting back in the ring to face down with Nash. And there's just a pipe and mm-hmm. hot crowd losing their shit. You would say, at least they're building something. Yeah. And like, and, you, know and, I mean? and, you know what? And that'd be fine because even then you could say, right, if they hold off on the Bam Bam match, there's something there for Goldberg post title loss. Where, you know, Bam Bam... Bam Bam can say, right, he's on the downfall, I'm going to take him out, and I'm going to be the one to put him out, whatever. But, like, like, there was so much, like, Bam Bam Goldberg just feels like such a hot match, and the Scott Hall-Kevin Nash story has so many options open to it, so many ways they can go, like, Nash, like, Scott Hall taking out Bischoff, and the whole tension with Hogan, and then, like, the Steiners never really got a conclusive ending, Booker and Stevie are back linked together like couldn't you have done you could have done given what they wanted to do with the Hall and Nash thing you could have had a scenario where they did their match and it was look you could either have had Nash win Mm -hmm. or you could have had a situation where Nash was about to win when the NWO came out and did the thing they did anyway on the show 
and Nash came to save him and the two of them embrace at the end and now he's put this to bed and they're both moving on to the Battle Royal lair. You know, um, there's this, like you said, we're not a fantasy book and podcast, but there's so much they could have done. And I think by having that blow off match, by having the Scott versus Rick blow off match properly, by having um, Bam Bam Goldberg in a main event, possibly, um, even if it was only five, ten minutes, uh, I think you would have a much better impression mm-hmm. of the show. Um, and if everything wasn't overbooked within an inch of its life, sometimes you can just have wrestling matches. And if they had also planned the card better so that you didn't start off a show with three back-to-back shitty matches, mm-hmm. either shitty matches or shitty finishes or shitty matches with shitty finishes. Um, and even then, the heights of wrestling on the show was only a kind of good cruiserweight match, which itself now is it the one division... Yeah. Yeah, the one division that was like a blissful calm because Bischoff was clearly not paying attention to it now has its own NWO. Yeah, Yeah, it has its own NWO and even that division now is being overbooked to shite. And obviously with the Bobby Duncan Jr. stuff thing, one of the things we loved about 98 was that nobody seemed to be paying attention to what Jericho was doing Mm -hmm. and now they seem to be paying a bit more trying to get him to get people over and it's not working. Um, Yeah, it, it, it isn't the nail in the coffin I think the biggest single nail in the coffin no, but it's the first apart from apart from uh, the day Vince Russo signed on the dotted line <laughs> the other biggest nail in the coffin is coming very soon um, I, I, but this is certainly if this isn't the nail in the coffin they've certainly got the invoice for the coffin and it's being shipped I, do you know what I was going to say just um, it may not be the nail in the coffin but they've certainly lined it up and have the hammer in hand they certainly do, yeah. Uh, not to leave things on too much of a down note, but uh, yeah. Uh, look, let's just say, it's going to be an eventful next month on the podcast, um, and there is going to be some shit to talk about, that's for sure. Um, but anyway, it was an absolute pleasure to have you with us again mm-hmm. for another episode of, of Days of Thunder, a new pay-per-view extravaganza. And we'll be back in two weeks. And until then, everybody, stay safe, be well. Tell a friend. Fuck it. At this stage, tell an enemy. You know, we don't care. Uh, we just want the clicks. Yeah, um, no, no. Seriously, th- thanks to everyone that does, you know, spread the word of what we're doing here. Um, a lot of people do seem to be enjoying it. Yeah. And we love, you know, we love the people who interact with us on Twitter. And we love you as well, the silent majority who just download your pods every two weeks and you're happy out and you don't want to interact with the two mad Irishmen who watch Thunder all the time. And I, I can't exactly fucking blame you. But yeah, do tell a friend, tell an enemy and we'll uh, we'll see you again in two weeks. Bye, everyone. Thanks, everyone, for downloading another episode of Days of Thunder. Days of Thunder is produced by Lee Malone and edited by myself, Dave Ryan, and available every second Thursday night wherever good podcasts are sold. You can follow Days of Thunder on Twitter or Instagram, where we love to hear from our listeners about all things wrestling and beer. We're at WCW Thunderpod on both platforms. I'm at the Day to Dave on Twitter, and Lee is at Malone underscore 713. This has been a production of the PWOM Podcast Network. Subscribe there for a veritable feast of podcasting content from wrestling of the past, like the World Cast, through the years in the International House of Combat, to wrestling of the present, with Boom Goes the Dynamite and Strong Style Story, and something a little bit different with Gideon Guys, Yours, Mine, and the Truth, and Busting Balls. Subscribe now, you won't be disappointed. Thanks. I can feel the thunder that's breaking in your heart. I can see through the scars inside you I can feel the thunder that's breaking
I can see through the sky.